Let me tell you a story. Welcome, Welcome to the show. To the show. Hi, Hi, Chris and Jerry. Camping. What a great American pastime to participate in. I have many fond memories of camping in my adult life. As a child, we never camped. I guess my parents weren't fond of the outdoors. My grandparents always had camping RVs and fifth wheels. That was about as close as I came to any type of camping. I have had the pleasure of camping with my wife and my son many times. Some great, some trips just good. However, a bad camping trip beats a weekend watching Netflix any day of the week. One of my best camping stories comes from six or seven years ago. If you stick around, I'd love to tell you the story. Our son Gage was young. I don't even think he was walking at the time. We had grand plans for a weekend of camping. Had the tent ready, some tarps, picked up this sweet backpack that we were going to slap him in and knock out some relaxing hikes. If you are new to fatherhood, hiking at elevation with a kid on your back is a task. I was definitely unprepared for the cardio workout that was coming for me. I was five minutes into my first climb before I wanted to roll my son down the hill in the general vicinity of our piece of shit Chevy Cobalt. However, this hike did provide me with one of my all-time favorite pictures of my son. His eyes were popping blue like a beautiful river rushing through the skies. When we booked this trip, we had read warnings about bear country. The listing said they had a locker that you could place your items in when you were not using them. As soon as we arrived, we realized we were out of our league for this camping trip. The bear locker was about the size of the thimble from Monopoly. Our items that needed to be protected were the size of Captain Jack Sparrow's latest bounty. When the wife and I camp, we enjoy seeing how fast we can get our location fully set up. 10 plus years in, we have a nice system. We've even learned how to incorporate some fun added items, like tarps, angled to block the rain, not claiming to be MacGyver by any means, but we are efficient and fast for setup and teardown. On this trip, Mother Nature had other plans. The skies opened, and they opened with a vengeance. I have a vivid memory of trying to barbecue some hot dogs while my wife was holding our baby in a tent that was leaking from every imaginable surface. The site was a complete mess. I had to dig a trench to protect our tent. It was actually a neat training opportunity for me. I managed to dig a channel that the water would hook around our tent just enough to make our situation manageable. That evening, sleeping was awful. It was cold, our tent was soaking wet, pillows were soaked. At the time, we had two army cots that we would place in our tent to sleep on. Our plan was to have our son in between the two cots. The leaking walls made that maneuver tough to accomplish. The last place you wanted to be was next to a wall. The next morning, we were able to get a fire going and make a little play area for Gage. Laid out a tarp for him to play with some toys, cracked some drinks, and did our best to enjoy the day. Our son Gage would not stay on the damn tarp. It didn't matter how many times we would relocate him back to the tarp. He just wanted to be in the mud. The kid was a disgusting, sloppy disaster. Needless to say, this trip was going downhill quickly. Being soaked for a couple days makes any experience hard to enjoy. We managed to push through being soaked, the muddy child, leaking tent, yet our fun had yet to really begin. Somewhere along the line, the Paul Blart of Forest Security took over our campsite. Walking around with a shined up badge that he probably got from the local rinky-dink Big Bear Market, this gentleman was a tool and served his country with a purpose. He had already came to our site a couple times previous. He warned us about our fire and some packages that we had laying around. First of all, three hours prior to this, we just watched the fucking Ark float by our tent. Nothing was going to catch fire outside of the fire ring. After lunch, we needed to scrub some dishes. We turned down the fire as best we could, headed to the dishwashing faucet, and scrubbed our plates and pan. We have a glorious cast iron pan for camping that has served us well over the years. 
When we came back, some of our items had been confiscated. Shortly later, Paul Blart returned with another deputy of the forest and threatened us with a ticket. Lectured us for a good while, then he returned our food. It was daytime. We were within 100 feet of our campsite. This guy just had failed police cadet written all over him. He returned our items, gave us our last warning, said next time he wouldn't return our food or drinks, and left. My wife and I exchanged a sarcastic smile as he walked away. The entire time he was blabbing about forest rules, our son was in our cobalt trying to stay dry asleep. I can only imagine how fast this douche would have called CPS for an unattended child if he would have known. At the time, this trip wasn't fun. I think it was categorized as a waste of money. Looking back now, it is one of our better camping memories. Like I said, even the worst mud-soaked, douche-patrolled camping trip beats a weekend of staying indoors melting your brain on Netflix. Some years later, we relocated to Portland, Oregon. I managed to make a new friend, and we wanted to camp with him. This friend isn't exactly a handy camper. You know, I love this guy to death. He's a great man. But if I needed somebody to set up a tent for me, I would more than likely lean on my son quicker than I would ask this gentleman to set up a tent. If I needed somebody to perform a crossover on the basketball court or put up 40 points, I know exactly who I would go to. Camping? That's not his shit. So anyway, he showed up for this camping trip, maybe 40 miles outside of Portland, a beautiful little camping site. There's some streams close by that you can walk, a few trails. When he showed up, he had a brand new tent, straight out of the box. You could tell that, you know, he wasn't accustomed to setting up tents quickly. If you aren't a semi-truck driver, you probably don't enjoy new semi-trucks. On this trip, I was accompanied with my wife and my lovely son, Gage. This gentleman had brought along a new girl that he met at a club some nights prior, along with his son. Gage was excited for this trip because he had a boy to play with. They were playing Frisbee most of the trip. That evening, the trip became an interesting spectacle. My buddy and this new girl decided to enter their tent, and it was probably, I don't know, seven o'clock. Beautiful campground. Pretty quiet though, not much noise, and if you did make noise, you could echo it. You know, it was kind of in a canyon. As my wife and I are sitting around the fire with the two kids, you can hear what sounds like somebody shooting a porno. Not your average porno. I mean, this is, if I were had to name this porno, I would call it the deep drill. And it just kept going. It was the gift that kept on giving over and over and over. And I remember his son was sitting around us on the fire and he just wanted to play with his dad. At one point, he actually took a ball to the tent to ask permission to play with his dad while the shooting of deep drill was going on. It was so comical and so out of the ordinary what I was used to. But then again, it turned into a favorite story of mine. And I'm happy to say those two are still together to this day. All they needed was a little bit of camping to spark that fire. Well, the weather has been gorgeous the past couple of days. It looks like we are transitioning nicely in the spring here in California. There are birds chirping. The sun is shining. Flowers are blooming all over the place. And that's good. Because towards the end of winter and the, towards the end of summer, I always begin dreaming of the next season. right? And there, there are a couple things that happen every single summer for me and the family. Uh, we have a couple family traditions, one of them, right? We like to visit the, the beach at least twice, and uh, we like to go camping at least once. Now, camping, yeah, it's pretty new to me. I never went camping growing up, so I've uh, I've been learning to camp for the past four to five years, but it's very casual camping, right? We go to go to campsites with bathrooms, 
Uh, we bring pre-cooked food and just warm it up on the fireplace there. And uh, we usually only stay for a couple of nights. I'd like to get to the point where um, we go hike to some remote area, right? We cook our own food. Maybe we catch and, and kill our own food. Who knows? And we camp for a week or so. Um, but that's definitely not where we are right now. And like me, you know, there are some people who dream of living outdoors, uh, but they're just not experienced enough to do it. Uh, but that doesn't stop everybody from trying. So let me tell you a story about four boys from southwest China. So it was Sunday evening, uh, late November. Du Wei had spent his final day of the weekend watching a marathon of Man vs. Wild. Uh, so Monday morning, Du Wei, he heads to school, his mind just full of living off the grid. Right? He's thinking about waterfalls and catching fish with his bare hands. He's thinking about living in caves, right? So he heads to his sixth grade classroom. He's a sixth grader. And, uh, you know, he's just sitting there doodling campfires and, and hunting contraptions, right? Those, those contraptions where you try to figure out how you're going to catch like a wild rabbit. You lure him in with food and then, you know, something springs, catches the rabbit by the leg or in a net some, some, somehow. But anyway, he heads to sixth grade classroom. He's doodling, and then uh, he goes out to recess, and during recess, he finds his buddies, uh, Hugh, Jen, and Gon, and he tells them about how awesome camping is, and they all run around playing man versus wild, right? They're climbing around, pretending to be bears. They're discovering caves, right? It's great. It's great. And then Jen, right, Jen, he has an idea. He says, let's go out to the wilderness for reals. Yeah! You know, all the other boys are excited. Wait, says Hugh. Uh, my parents, they won't let me do that. We won't tell our parents, says Jen. Uh, we'll just go during school and we'll come home, you know, before our parents even know. I don't know, says Hugh. You know, what if they find out? What are you, a little white face? Says Duway. Yeah, you're a rotten egg white face, yells Jen. And oh, all those kids are laughing at him. Poor Hugh. It turns out these are, are some pretty harsh insults in China. And uh, well, the boys are laughing at at Hugh there, and Hugh's a little red in the cheeks. He finally gives in to the taunting, and he says, "You know, fine, I'll go." Yeah! Everybody yells again. They're they're back to being excited again. And uh, so the boys they make a plan to pack up their camping gear that night, and they're gonna skip school the following day. Right, so Tuesday morning rolls around, and the boys meet up before the school bell rings. Uh, you guys ready? Says Jen. Oh, I forgot my camping stuff. Says Gun. Oh, now who's the red face? Yells Hugh. Right, all the boys start laughing again. Good one, Hugh. So Dewey says, Okay, tomorrow we are going for sure. Right, nobody forget your stuff. And so, so the boys go through the school day as usual. And the next day, they meet up. Everybody have your stuff? You know, Jen asks everybody, Everybody got your stuff? Everybody nods. Let me pause the story for a second. I just want to say, I didn't leave out the part where they all talked about who was bringing what or what they all needed to survive in the wilderness, right? So they just never talked about it. They, they just went all, they went home, they, they packed up whatever random camping gear they had and uh, the ones they thought they might need to survive and they just headed to school, right? It wasn't a conversation. They could have all brought the same exact thing. Everybody just with a lighter and a knife and uh, that would have been the, <laughs> the entire, entire uh, gear for the camping trip. But anyway, the four boys, they grabbed their backpacks, and they hopped up for a wall that was surrounding the school, uh, and they began walking towards the mountains. And they walked and walked and walked until they found a, a secluded area. It was uh, in the mountains right near a river. Oh, perfect, says Dewey. This is just like in the show. Right? Super excited. 
and all the kids, they empty out their backpacks. It turns out, so this is what they packed. They packed some rain gear, which is a good idea, right? Some rice, yeah, who knows, you might get hungry. A lighter, excellent, you gotta start a fire. Uh, some fishing line, and a couple of knives, and a cooking pot. So it sounds like they're ready for a meal, that's just about it. And uh, so Gan says, oh, let's go fishing, guys. So the boys rig up their, uh, their poles, and they go fishing in the nearby river. And they catch a couple of fish. They fillet them and toss them in the pot. And they add some of the river water, you know, on the rice. And then they go out and, and try to gather some firewood. Now, this is where the boys' trip takes uh, a bit of a turn. Now, first of all, they don't know how to start a fire, right? Nobody ever showed them, right? As far as they know, they, they just rub some sticks together. Or, uh, you know, they get a magnifying glass and they point it to the, the sun. The sun, you know, gets really, really intense in one spot. And, it's a couple of leaves and spark up, you know, but, but they brought the lighter. So, uh, so they give that a shot, but as they're collecting the wood, you know, the wood is wet, right? It's been kind of misty the past couple of days and, uh, you know, the lighter, it's got no fluid, so it's not lighting. It's just sparking, right? It's very windy. So it's just whatever flame does it get, get ignited, it just blows out. So it's just a horrible little experience, right? The boys, the boys are now hungry, right? They're getting cold. So they decide to pack it all up and just head back to school probably getting close to towards the end of school um the only problem is is they lost track of time and now it's it's the point where it's starting to get dark now now the boys are scared they're cold they're hungry right their boys are also now aware that their parents probably know that they skipped school and uh their parents are going to be pissed when they get home and this is my favorite part of the story so the the boys were scared of the dark right as as any kids are now i'm a little scared of the dark still uh, they're scared of wild animals they're freezing and they're scared of dying, uh, but they were more scared of what would happen if they went home to their pissed, pissed off parents. And oh boy, just a, could you imagine, right? Bamboo beatings, and some acupuncture torture. Oh, for days, days and days. Finally, the kids are freezing and scared. Uh, they, they finally just walk to a nearby road and they would just wait. They just sit there and wait for someone to pass by. And uh, finally, finally a police officer, they, uh, they pull over and it was a police officer from the search party. You see, the boys had no idea, but as soon as they didn't show up for their sixth grade class, their teacher called their parents, right? And the parents then, they contact the police department, the police, they ask around town, anybody seen these boys? They're four boys, probably have some backpacks on them. And a local man, he said, you know what? I did see those kids. They were walking towards the mountains. So now, so now the police officers, they know they're looking for some kids lost in the mountains, right? So they, uh, they gather, three teams of officers, right? Probably some volunteers and uh, create this giant search party. And they all go searching in the mountains um, of the surrounding town. And uh, the search ends up lasting for nine hours before the boys are found. And so it's a pretty big deal for this small little village. Um, but the boys, the boys were found, you know, they were, they were unharmed. They were just a little shooken up, cold. So the boys later told the police, they said, instead of leaving, uh, when they knew it was getting dark and they saw the sun setting, um, instead of just going, right, and trying to get back home before they couldn't see anything, they stayed in the woods because they were afraid of getting in trouble. Hugh told the police, said they wanted to come home, right, but they were afraid to be punished by their parents. So they just stayed there in the woods. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine the fear of these kids, right? They're so afraid of going home and being punished by their parents that they're just sitting there freezing to death in the woods, right? Just bears and mountain lions probably just licking their lips, waiting to eat these poor kids. And the police officer, the one who found the boys, 
he later said that, that they were all returned home safely to their parents. Um, he also said their parents later disciplined them. And oh, they're probably still being disciplined to this very day. But you know what? It was probably worth it. It sounds like those kids had a great adventure.